Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> All right, good morning. Well, so good to be with you. Go ahead and uh, open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be spending some time this morning. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is, is also Matthew, or Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here at FBC. So glad that you're with us this morning for uh, worship and celebration. I know it's not always easy coming to a new place, and so especially a new church. And so if you're with us this morning for the first time, welcome. And uh, yeah, Matthew 6, we're going to be uh, using this text to continue our summer series that we've called Rhythms, where we've been looking at these uh, spiritual habits or disciplines that we can work into our lives in order to grow in our relationship with the Lord and be healthy and fruitful as followers of Jesus. And we're, we're nearing the end of the summer series, and we're going to kick off the fall series in a week or two where we're jumping back into the Gospel of Mark, which I'm really looking forward to. I don't know about you, but I've kind of missed being in the Gospel of Mark. I've missed just being in a book of the Bible. Again, normally life here is uh, on a Sunday morning, we're just walking through a book of the Bible. And this summer has been a bit of a break from that. But for the fall, we're jumping back into the Gospel of Mark, picking up in chapter 11, where we left off, and just marching on through until the end. But today, we have another rhythm to talk about, and it's going to be a, a fun one, I think. We're talking about fasting, the topic or the spiritual discipline of fasting, which I know is kind of ironic to talk about on the day of the church picnic, but here we are. It's uh, going to be uh, good, as we jump into Scripture and see what it teaches about fasting. Fasting is the discipline of, of temporarily abstaining from food or possibly other things that are good. But biblically speaking, it's uh, abstaining from food for some spiritual purpose, for seeking God in some special way. And so as we get started, I'm wondering what your response is just to the idea of fasting as you hear about it. As you think about it, uh, there's a couple things that might be going through your mind that I want to give you a minute just to talk with someone next to you about. Just reflect and share with someone next to you what comes to mind when you hear about fasting. And there's a couple options. Uh, is your first thought, what? And like, huh? Or great, love it, sounds cool. Or no way, not going to do that, don't like that. Or hmm kind of interesting and intriguing. What goes through your mind when you hear me mention fasting? Okay, take a second, talk to someone next to you about that, and then we'll continue, all right?
All right. Ready? Heard some good dialogue back there. Hopefully that helped you kind of process a little bit where you're at coming in. I heard someone say fasting is a great idea for other people to do and engage in, but maybe not so much ourselves. Uh, I think fasting sometimes is a kind of a scary topic or maybe a foreign concept, something that maybe we've heard about but don't know a lot about or maybe haven't experienced it ourselves. And uh, I knew it was supposed to be a part of this series, but I feel like I've kind of been avoiding it a little bit each week, just kind of like pushing it off. But when you, when you think about uh, spiritual disciplines and things that you notice throughout the Bible, ways that people are, are seeking to connect with God, things that they do, fasting is one that actually comes up fairly often. You see it scattered throughout the scriptures. And so I knew it was something that we should be talking about, but uh, for some reason I just kind of kept avoiding it. But here we are uh, towards the end of the series, and it's, it's time to, to jump in. Um, Fasting is an ancient practice. It's not even a distinctly Christian practice. Uh, We'll see it in different cultures and religions, but it can be done in a specifically God-focused way. And we'll notice that we see it throughout the Scriptures, and we see Jesus teaching on it in Matthew 6, which we're going to jump into. But sometimes it's an especially foreign concept to us today because our culture is really obsessed with food, in a way, and satisfying our desires and our cravings. And so the idea of abstaining from food, even just for a short time, sounds so odd or uh, unnecessary or, or just strange to our, our modern minds. So let's jump in and look at it together. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to see the words of Jesus as he's teaching about fasting. And I'm going to read for us starting in verse 16. It says this, It says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This uh, teaching from Jesus comes in uh, the section of teaching known as the Sermon on the Mount, one of these really uh, well-known or famous chunks of the book of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7, where Jesus is teaching on all kinds of things. He's really unpacking for his audience what life in the kingdom of God should look like, how followers of Jesus should conduct themselves. And he's talking about all kinds of things like prayer and and giving, and here, uh, fasting. He talks about being salt and light in the world. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. He talks about laying down our anger and our lust, and loving our enemies, and uh, praying for those in our lives. And he talks about judgment, and trusting God, and all these big spiritual themes come out that he's trying to teach. But nestled in there is these few verses, are these few verses on fasting, which The rest of the Sermon on the Mount, I think sometimes we take really seriously and want to apply it to our lives and and learn what it means for us. But fasting, we kind of come to and just kind of look at it and say, oh, that's kind of weird. And then just keep on reading. You know, this section, we, we don't always know what to do with or how to apply it to our lives. And so let's let's start here and and really understand it together. You noticed first that 
Jesus sort of just assumes or expects his followers to fast, right? How does it start in verse 16? He says, when you fast. Not if, but when you fast. Right before this, in verse 2 of chapter 16, he says, when you give, and then gives some instructions on giving. And then in verse 5, if you look, he says, and when you pray, and then he gives instructions on prayer. And then here in verse 16, when you fast, and then instructions on fasting. And so like giving is to be a regular part of the Christian life, and like prayer is supposed to be a regular part of the Christian life, he kind of assumes here that, that fasting is a regular part of the Christian life. I think it would be a stretch to say that fasting is commanded in the Scriptures, at least here in the New Testament, for us as the church, but it certainly seems at least assumed that it will be in some way practiced by the followers of Jesus. And so we notice how Jesus teaches us to fast, what he says about it. He goes on, he says, Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others their fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay, so what's he saying? Because when you're fasting, don't look somber and grumpy and really visibly agitated and hungry so that other people notice and look at you and say, wow, they must be fasting. They're a pretty spiritual person. Look at the anguish they're going through in their spiritual lives. They're so devoted. They're so this. He said, no, when you fast, don't do it that way as these hypocrites do. Instead, he says, when you fast, what? Verse 17 Pour oil on your head, clean yourself up so that no one will notice, so that people won't take a, a look at you and say, oh, wow, they're fasting. So that fasting is something that's unseen, something that is between you and the Lord. Clean yourself up. Look, look normal, essentially. Fly under the radar because it's really about you and the Lord. This is actually an interesting example of learning to interpret the Bible well because we could look at a passage like this and say, wow, Jesus says, when you fast, pour oil on your head. And if we apply that directly to today, then we could say, oh, well, I guess when we fast, we're supposed to pour oil on our heads. But realize, contextually, in the ancient world, pouring oil was a part of the, the cleaning process. Uh, a daily washing was something that would be regularly done. And so Jesus is saying, I don't want you to, to look any, any different today. Do your regular washing, kind of clean yourself up with oil as you normally would so that people don't notice. Now, did anyone wake up this morning and go to the kitchen cabinet and get the jug of olive oil out and pour it on your head? Anyone do that today? No, because that's, that's not part of our customs in this culture. And so, if we were to apply this directly and say, wow, Jesus says pour oil on your head when you're fasting, if we were to do the same, then it would actually end up probably drawing more attention to ourselves, right? It would create the opposite effect of what 
Jesus wanted. And so we have to say, what is the timeless truth in this text? This applies to uh, any type of biblical interpretation with any passage. What is the timeless truth contained in this passage? Which would be, when you fast, don't do it to be noticed. Look normal. Fly under the radar. Don't do it to be seen. That's the timeless truth. But the, the cultural piece of this is the, the oil thing. And so we say, okay, that's something that clearly had a cultural uh, purpose or effect that doesn't directly apply to today. But he does say, your father will see. It's not to be seen by other people. You're to fasten. Your father will notice. God will see you. God will reward you, it actually says. And so the point that Jesus is making is that fasting is not some external religious practice to gain you spiritual kudos or points from people around you that notice. Fasting is to be done to strengthen your relationship with the Lord, to seek Him, to be seen by Him in this way. And He'll bless you. He'll reward you, it says. It's an interesting promise there. And so fasting is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose, to focus on God and draw closer to Him. And we should realize that fasting, it's not some new concept that Jesus is bringing on the scene. It actually seems that people would be well aware of what fasting is and, and understand what it was. They would practice it. They were familiar with it. And we see it throughout Scripture. As we look into the Old Testament, fasting was uh, commanded one day a year for all the people. It was the Day of Atonement, this uh, special special day on the Jewish calendar where sacrifices were offered for the sins of the people, where people were, were more aware of their sin, were repenting and confessing their sins and offering sacrifices to be made right with God. And on that day, the people were commanded to fast as a way of focusing themselves on God and part of the repentance process and turning to the Lord in that way, we find this in Leviticus 23. In addition to that, we see fasting crop up in other places in the Old Testament. If you remember Moses on the top of Mount Sinai, as he spends time with the Lord there in Deuteronomy chapter 9, he is said to have been fasting. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, King David seeks the Lord in prayer and fasting when his child becomes ill. And so we see it's done by individuals in some circumstances. But then we also see in the Old Testament groups of people fasting or a corporate fast where all the people of God would come together and fast together. If you remember the story of Esther, before she goes to the king boldly to save the Jews from death, she asks all the Jews, all the people of God to fast together and to pray to the Lord. That's in chapter 4 of the book of Esther. We see in Joel chapter 2, 15, all of Israel is fasting and confessing their sin together. Or in Nehemiah chapter 9, Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 1 says, On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads, either signs of repentance and confessing their sins. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood in their places as the people of God had confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. You notice in verse 1, people gather together, they're fasting, they're praying, they're confessing their sins. 
And if you remember Jonah 3 that we studied as a church a few months ago, when the city of Nineveh hears the message from Jonah about coming judgment, what do they do? The whole city puts on a fast, and they seek the Lord in repentance. And so individuals are fasting, the people of God together are fasting. We see similar things in the New Testament, the prophet Anna, prophetess Anna, in Luke chapter 2, verse 36, it tells us this, there was a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, interesting people. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but what? But worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So as a part of this, this woman of God, this great prophet of God, her devotion is marked by worship and fasting and prayer, seeking God. Also, we see in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are setting up uh, these men as elders in the local church to lead the local churches. And a part of their commissioning and installing them as these elders, uh, it's accompanied with prayer and fasting as they're deciding who will be these leaders and installing them. It's accompanied by prayer and fasting. And so you see, scattered throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, examples of fasting. Sometimes as personal devotion to God, part of worshiping Him. Sometimes because of a special circumstance or occasion. Sometimes part of a group or corporate fast where the people of God are confessing their sins and repenting before God. And these fasts would vary in length, right? Some of them were a day. Some of them would be three days, a week, possibly 40 days, we've seen. They vary in that way. But you notice that in those different scriptures, we're never quite given a a why for fasting. Like, here's why you should fast. Here's exactly how it works, or here's exactly what it does. We see that it's modeled. We see that we should do it, but it's never fully unpacked for us. And so we should think together, why, why were these people fasting so often? Why was this a part of their worship? What did that practice do? I think we can gather a lot from what we read. They're abstaining from food for the purpose, as we talked about, of focusing on God and praying to Him in a, a specific way, drawing closer to Him. Right? We saw that in Matthew chapter 6, that the, whole, the point of fasting was that it was seen by God, right? It's not this external observance for other people to see, but it's about drawing close to the Lord, and our Father sees and rewards us and blesses us as we seek Him in that way. And so it seems that fasting is this spiritual discipline that somehow makes us aware of these spiritual realities that we might otherwise overlook or that we might otherwise miss. And if you've participated in a fast, maybe you're here today and this is something that you've done before, you likely know that this is true. Because what happens when you're fasting and you're not eating? You get hungry, right? You, you get hungry and your body is constantly reminding you that you need food to survive. You want Food. And so throughout that day, your body is nagging at you, reminding you, you are hungry, you're groaning for food, and that internal physical angst that you're feeling is intended to drive you to prayer, 
It's this constant reminder to seek the Lord, that you need Him. It's helped to make you notice that how your body craves food to survive, so your soul craves and needs the Lord to survive. Constantly throughout the day reminds you of that truth. And the times that I've fasted before, I've seen that that is true because I love food and I'm a big guy and I get hungry pretty easily. So when you go without, just constantly reminding you, hunger, your need, pushes you to prayer, realize your dependence on God, to realize your own weakness, for God to, to, to teach you and to meet you in that place. And it reminds me of John chapter 6. Maybe you remember John chapter 6. Jesus feeds this crowd of 5,000 people miraculously, and kind of after that event, the crowd is following him, and they're asking him for more signs and, and more bread and to meet their needs in, in more ways. And you remember how Jesus responds here on the screen in verse 48. He says, I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. See, the people were coming to him saying, hey, remember how our ancestors were, were being fed? God miraculously provided food for them in the wilderness. That was pretty great, right, Jesus? Just saying, maybe you could do that again for us. We're, we're kind of hungry. And so Jesus is saying, your, your ancestors, they ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Do you see this point? And guys, food is fine and good. It's a gift, but its effects are temporary, right? You get hungry again, and ultimately you will die. But what I have to give, my body, the bread of life, living bread, I will give for the world, it will give you eternal life. It will sustain you in a way that no physical material food can. And so that hunger, that deep hunger that you experience within your body points to that deep hunger within your soul and your need for the Lord. He's the only one who can satisfy you. He's the only one that can ultimately sustain you, fill you, and give you eternal life. Do you see, there's a purpose for fasting. It reminds us that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the one who satisfies us, who really sustains us and upholds our lives. And so fasting is not just about something hard to do or growing in your own willpower or doing some kind of extreme diet or anything like that. It's to focus on the Lord. This week as I was studying and preparing for this message, I read this story about this man who did a fast for a day and just hated it. And at the end of it, he was like, I got nothing out of it. 
the horrible experience, and he kind of chronicled his day and just talked about how in the morning I woke up and I wish I could have eaten with my family, and then for lunch I was just wish I could have had tacos for lunch, and then I, I missed a snack, and then I couldn't eat this and couldn't eat that, and then I sat there at dinner and couldn't have anything, and just it was awful, it was awful. I just kind of did it because my pastors told me to do it, and I got nothing out of it. It was terrible. And as you read through his account, it becomes clear that he, he didn't really get the heart of what fasting is about. He was just doing it as if it was some kind of magical thing that has power in itself. Just, hey, don't eat food and something magical will happen. But he didn't see that there was a purpose behind it, that that hunger, that, that angst that he was feeling inside himself was intended to drive him to prayer, drive him to focusing on God opening his own heart and soul up to the Lord in, in a way that wouldn't have taken place otherwise, but he missed it. So there has to be an intention behind fasting, doing it with a purpose. There may be nuances to what this may look like in your life. Even as we look at the examples throughout Scripture, there are different times and occasions and, and reasons that people are fasting. Maybe it's just part of regular worship and prayer like it was for Anna in Luke chapter 2. Maybe it could be to seek the Lord's guidance and wisdom in your life in a special time where there's a decision that lies ahead of you like Paul and Barnabas had in Acts chapter 14 as they're appointing elders. Maybe it would be as you're aware of your sin and coming to the Lord, confessing your sin like the people of Nineveh in chapter 3 of Jonah. Maybe it could be seeking God for his protection, for his uh, strength to help you overcome temptations in your life, whatever it might be. There's any number of forms this could take, but the heart of it is abstaining from food so that you are constantly reminded of your need for the Lord and driven to Him in prayer. It should be said, though, that we, of course, do this in light of the gospel, that glorious message that we celebrate every Sunday, the good news of salvation through faith in Christ, justification through faith in Christ. The message of the gospel what reminds us that we, though we were sinners, broken, separated from God, dead in our sins, God in His grace sent His Son, and in His love and His mercy for us, He died in our place. He took our sin, our shame, and our death, and He carried it in His body on the cross, and He died so that we would not have to experience that judgment and separation from the Lord, but we could be forgiven of our sins, justified before God by faith, reconciled to God, our Father. That's the good news of salvation, eternal life, what Jesus has accomplished for us. And so in light of that truth, Fasting is not something we do to earn the favor of the Lord, something that we do to earn forgiveness, some kind of spiritual work that we have to do to get on God's good side. Because through faith in Jesus Christ, all those blessings, forgiveness and, and eternal life and salvation and reconciliation with God, those things are all already ours through faith in Christ. And so fasting is not some way to earn anything. It's just a, a gift, a rhythm that we can work into our lives to draw closer to the Lord and seek Him in a special way. 
this is so helpful and needed in our culture today. Again, I mentioned it at the beginning, how we've become so obsessed with with food and we we self-medicate with food. I mean, comfort food is a real thing. There's a reason they call it that. I mean, how many of us at the end of a long day, we just are craving a, a good meal, ice cream maybe, pizza, maybe cookies, maybe sugar, something that will, will comfort us. And there's nothing wrong with food in itself. It's a gift, it's a blessing from God, but sometimes we make it an idol and we seek to feed the soul with the body's food. We look to food to comfort us in a way that only God can, and so we make it an idol. Fasting is a way to to break that cycle, a way to turn away from the idol of food and say, you know what, Lord, you are the one who sustains me. You are the one who gives me life. You are the one that can comfort me in a way that nothing else can. And so if you're here this morning, you're thinking, fasting, no way. Could never do that. Don't want to do it. Couldn't do it. Maybe that's an indication that that you need to engage in this practice more than others. And so fasting is taught by Jesus. God sees it. He rewards us. He blesses us as we seek Him in that way. We see it modeled throughout Scripture. And so, what could that look like in our lives? What could that rhythm look like? practically look like for you to engage in? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it. Some of these examples in the Bible are intense. It's a week-long fast or a a 40-day fast or something like that. But there's probably this more normative, more regular one-day fast where people, for about 24 hours, one day will not eat. And how I've seen it work well in the past is kind of a dinner-to-dinner sort of thing. For, for an example, you eat dinner tonight, Sunday night, and then you do not eat food until dinner Monday night. Still drink water, uh, but abstain from meals and, and snacks in order to focus on the Lord. And during that time, notice you, if you're sleeping about eight hours, you get about an eight-hour head start. And so that's a little, get you ahead of the game a little. But during that time, while you're abstaining from food, you're seeking the Lord, right? praying to God, reading Scripture. And it might not be that you have this like day set aside where you're not doing anything and you can just read the Bible and go on a hike and listen to the Lord. It might be as you're out and about at your job or with your kids or, or, or doing things. But along the way, you're more aware of God's presence. That hunger in your body is constantly reminding you, okay, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm here. Lord, I'm listening. Lord, would you strengthen me? Lord, what do you have to teach me today? Lord, what would you have me hear in this moment? I really think that that fasting could uh, move us into greater spiritual growth than we are currently experiencing. I think sometimes we, to our own detriment, have neglected this practice. And if some of us were to engage in it, I just imagine the, the type of growth or breakthrough that really could come in our hearts and in our lives if we seek the Lord in this way. It's this, this discipline that has been used by so many of the saints and people of God throughout the centuries that it's, it seems kind of silly that we today would just neglect it and, and forget about it and, and not do it. 
It's a gift to us. And this could be done maybe twice a year. You'll take a day like that. Maybe once a quarter. Could be once a month. I've known people that do it. Once a week, they'll do this. Kind of up to you. The point is not that it's some kind of law that we lay down on you that you have to then obey, but it's an opportunity for you to, to listen to the Lord, for you to pray and say, all right, Lord, how would you have me engage in this? And if it's something new for you, maybe just, just try it once, right? Just start it. Give it a try and see how God meets you in it and then decide, wow, when, what would be a good kind of schedule or rhythm for me to engage in this? And, and I say this with just the recognition that, and the confession, that this hasn't always been a part of my spiritual life. I fasted at times before, but it hasn't fully been a, a regular rhythm, a regular discipline with any kind of regularity that I've scheduled into my life. And as I've been preparing for this week and brought to this series, as God's been kind of guiding me, I, f- I felt convicted and felt like, wow, why have I neglected this spiritual discipline? Why, why haven't I made use of this incredible way to, to hear from the Lord and seek Him? And so I just want you to know that as I'm preaching on this, it's my heart to, to apply this as well and to, to learn about this and to grow in this way along with you. Now, a caveat, we do need to be healthy as we go about this. I know it's a concern. If you have some kind of health concern or some kind of condition where going without food would be really dangerous for you, uh, please consult a doctor. Uh, do this uh, wisely before you just kind of jump in. And Pastor Matt told me to do this, and then you really hurt yourself. That um, I wouldn't want to read that email if you send that. So, so please be wise about this. I know sometimes people, if they have like a blood sugar issue, will need to like not go totally without food, but they'll drink juice along the way or a granola bar here or there. And so you might have to customize this and think what you're able to do that would be healthy, get some nutrition as you go. Or maybe as you start slow and you say, okay, I'm just going to skip one meal today and experience the hunger and the, uh, the drive to prayer that comes from that. Starting slow it might be something you have to, again, customize. And so as a way for us to get started with this together, here's what we're going to do. We have the picnic today. I want you to boycott the picnic. No one eat any food when you go up there. Just kidding. No, we're not going to start today. But here's what I'd like to try. I'd like to try, again, as we see these examples in the Old Testament of all the people of God gathering together, fasting, seeking the Lord in prayer and unison, I'd love for us as a church to give this a try. And so what I'd like to do, if you join me, is uh, from Thursday to Friday, I'd like us to fast together, if you're willing. So what that means is after dinner, Thursday night, we're not going to eat until dinner, Friday night. Okay, we'll send out reminders about this. We'll send out updates just so you're aware. And if you forget about it between now and Thursday, we'll send you a reminder. We'd love for you to participate with us from Thursday dinner to Friday dinner. So that as we're doing this, you know that you're doing it with your community that we're all engaging in this together, and we're really coming before the Lord and saying, all right, Lord, what would you have for us? What would you have for me, for my life, for my family, for our church? Think about it, especially as we're, we're jumping back in to the normalcy of the fall with school and schedules and travel plans kind of calm down a little bit. You know, fall is a bit more of a regular season in the life of the church and in our families most likely. 
So what an opportunity for as we're preparing for that to come before the Lord in fasting and prayer together and say, God, what would you have for us this fall? God, what do you want to teach me? God, what in my life needs to change? God, what do you want to do through me, through us, through our church, in our city? God, how do you want to use us? Would you guide us? Would you teach us and just see what the Lord says? See how God speaks. See how God guides us. And so that day, I'd encourage you to be in Scripture, be in prayer, and listen to the Lord. And again, as we do that, I'd encourage you to remember the gospel, that we have a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, forgiven us of our sins and reconciled us to Himself. And it's because of Him and His grace, He invites us to draw near to Him in this way. He allows us to come to Him and seek Him. Would you pray with me? Well, God, we thank You for Your Word and this reminder, Jesus, that You you call us to, to fast. And as we fast, not to do it to be noticed by other people, Lord, but to be seen by You and draw near to You in this special way. Pray, Lord, that as we seek You, You would guide us, bless us, speak to us, open our ears and our hearts to what you want to teach us. And along the way, Lord, help us to remember the gospel, what you have done for us, your grace, your kindness, your mercy that makes this relationship possible. God, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.